Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and today we have my friend Valerie Warner joining us. You're in for a little treat because not only do we have a fun conversation going, but if you head on over to my email list, we've linked arms for a little giveaway for you. So head on over and subscribe to get the details. But for now, let's get to the episode. Hey, Valerie. Hey, how are you doing? So good. I am so excited to have you on the Radiant Podcast today. I have gotten to have a conversation with you before that I lost, so here we are re-recording again, but I am so excited for the Radiant listeners to get to know you. I feel like I already know you um, from the first round of getting to hear your story, but I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what you do tell the radiant audience all about you. Yeah. Um, so I am, um, born and raised in South Louisiana and married to my husband, Tyler. And we have two little girls, Vivi and Vanna. They're, um, six or about to be six and three. And, um, I run a business called Valmarie paper and it's taken a lot of different turns over the last 10 years. And I can't even believe that it's been 10 years since I like started this journey of being an entrepreneur. But it, I feel like God has me exactly where he wants me right now. And it's cool to see how different seasons have um, that I thought were probably a mess and not where God wanted me. Um, it was all for a purpose. And yeah, I'm excited to t- tell you about it. I don't know if I should just dive in or if yeah, you have specific questions. Yeah, I would love for you to um, talk about how you started with Valmarie Paper, your story there. And also your journey with writing books, how that all kind of entered into the mix. Because I think we have a lot of multi-passionate entrepreneurs following along with the Radiant Podcast. And I myself have kind of a few irons in the fire at any given time. So I love to kind of have conversations here that shed light around doing multiple things. And how do you know which one to start with? And which one did you start with? And how did it evolve into writing? Yeah, so I actually started a wedding planning company out after working at a newspaper doing design. I graduated in journalism and loved writing, knew I wanted to write, but really thought it would be more like columns and um, just opinion, you know, nothing, not like politics or anything like heavy like that, but just fun opinion columns. And um, it, that is not where the newspaper business took me locally. And so I started a wedding planning business and that was kind of just on a whim. Never saw myself as an entrepreneur, but kind of just saw a need in our town and also a need among um, the three friends that I had getting married one summer and fell in love with it, started doing weddings for or did weddings for about two years and then started doing invitations along with it, just using the des- the design skills that I used at the newspaper, laying out pages and everything like that. And um, I was able to sell the wedding planning business. And um, that was kind of, that was a, a 
boost to what I was planning to do next, which was the invitations just because, you know, I didn't tell if it wasn't a million dollar business or anything, but it was enough to sell a brand, um, to give me the boost to like pursue what I was feeling like was next. And, um, I focused on invitations and then we decided to start a family and, um, I knew like wedding planning is a very stressful job. I like always say I commend wedding planners who do it with kids. It is hard. Um, and I, I, I didn't feel like I could do that. So if you're a wedding planner out there with kids, kudos to you for, for, for doing that job. But so I, I did the invitations, which was a little less stressful and, pretty soon we found out we were pregnant. And while I was pregnant, I was just overwhelmed by just anxiety. And, um, I'm a hypochondriac. So like just everything that changes with your body when you're pregnant was like sending off alarms of like, this is wrong. Something's wrong. And, um, so I, I just knew I wanted to be praying more and kind of imagined this format that I thought would help me organize my many, many requests. And, um, when I couldn't find it, I actually created it and shared it with my audience. Um, and they loved it. And, um, it was just amazing. That was just something I really, I didn't expect it to turn into a actual business. It was just kind of like, let's just sell what we have, have to get printed. You know, there's a minimum to print. And, um, the response was amazing. I eventually like just started sharing more about prayer, sharing about motherhood And anytime you like create a product like that, you want to like educate and not just give a product. You really want to make sure that they feel equipped to use it. So that's kind of where like sharing my story and um, writing came in. And I actually decided to write my first book, which was self-published. It was it's called The Finishing School. Whenever I decided to write that, I let go of the wedding invitations and um it was just interesting to see how like each stage you really do, you, you kind of, when you choose something new, it's, you can't do it all. So it's going to shift something. And sometimes it's letting go of like a full business. And sometimes it's just letting go of something, you know, like, um, free Saturday mornings, if you want to write, um, and your schedule's tight or different things like that. But, um, I let go of that. I started writing the book, the finishing school, and continued to sell the journals. And we've been selling the journals for about five, six years now. And we've sold, I just counted the other day, it's over 80,000 in that time. And it's just been um, crazy to see how that has um, continued to grow, but also just like been consistent. And um, as I was doing that, I um, had an opportunity to work with a publisher on a second book about motherhood. And, um, the book came out in April. So since then I have been getting in a groove of not having a major project and just kind of like getting back to focusing on like our team and just like all the little things that just help your business scale and grow, um, that I feel like can fall to the wayside if you're working on a big project. Um, I've been focusing on that. Uh, I totally get that. So I loved one thing you shared about kind of things when it kind of is time to move into a new season, you kind of have experienced laying something down. Has that been hard? Like, did it feel hard to lay down the wedding invitations, probably knowing it was a nice chunk of your income and 
you know, obviously you're moving into writing books, but you don't know how many speaking engagements you're going to get from that, like beyond getting paid for the book. It, it can be scary to move into that next season when you've probably had, you know, a nice chunk of change coming in that's become dependable with your wedding invitation. So what does it feel like to make that leap? Because I feel like I'm currently living it. I think yeah. when when you're in that position for the first time, it's really scary and it gets more comfortable with every kind of transition. Not comfortable. It's always stretching, but you get used to it. What was it like that first time? And have you kind of seen it get a little bit better over time every time you have to yeah. kind of transition? Well, the f- the first time, like letting go of the wedding planning, I remember I've, I've actually looked at my prayer journals during that time frame, just being like, Lord, like I'm not making enough with invitations. So like, like bring clients, bring customers to me. And it was weird to see those prayers and then to see how like the prayer journal came. And it was kind of like, I wasn't expecting that to, you know, it's like he answered that prayer in a way I totally didn't expect, but I will say like, I feel like it hasn't been hard to let, like I've always known and maybe it's just, I knew it was the right thing to do. So it wasn't as hard, but I knew it was the right thing. But I think my biggest, the hardest part for me was feeling, thinking about how it made me look like. I didn't stay at the newspaper that I was at for longer than two years. I didn't stay with wedding planning for longer than three, maybe. I didn't stay with the invitations for longer than two or three years. Like all these things, just you just kind of feel like you're hopping around and people will just think like you just can't. You almost are more concerned that it doesn't look successful. It's like you want you you kind of feel like you need to tell everybody like, no, no, like it was successful. This was my choice. But yeah. you care about that that view more than it actually being a hard choice to make, if that makes it, or that's, that was my experience. Oh yeah. Or when someone even calls it a failure and it was, it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, Oh no. Like that was a profit. But, but then like learning to not try to prove yourself, like it is yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, I, I know I don't need to prove this to anybody, but man, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a failure, you know, like just for the fact that I keep bouncing around. And I think that's, I don't know, like those were painful steps to take because of that. But like now that I can see it all together, it's just like, okay, that was all part of the plan. It wasn't, I I couldn't be where I am today without having gone through all that stuff. And I feel like that's like cliche to say, but like it's, there's no way like the, it, it, the, I couldn't have made the jump. It would have been so stressful and just my, knowledge. I mean, like I I wouldn't have the knowledge I need to do what I do today. I 100% agree. And I, I think it's so relatable that you kind of shared that feeling of, I feel like a failure for hopping around. I mean, if there is any conversation that I consistently have with friends, you know, I'm in my late twenties, I'm almost 30. A lot of my friends are kind of in that very specific season of making career changes and wondering how it looks, whether that's in the online Mm -hmm. space and letting it evolve because Lord knows this online space evolves at like a rapid pace. (laughs) And then, but also in the traditional career field, you know, I want to make a move, but I want, it's not what I went to school for. I feel like, did I waste my time? How did you navigate? Because I found that nothing's wasted. Um, But that's, that's saying that with like a, not the prettiest little bow on it, but 
put a bow on it from the other side, not in the messy middle. How did you navigate those seasons of wondering, did I just waste my time? Because to me, I can easily look back on your story and be like, oh, it makes so much sense. Like the newspaper and learning layouts totally paved the way for invitation, totally paved the way for designing journals. Like it all flows. But in the Mm -hmm. middle of it, you're like, did I just waste my time? Am I just going to do this forever? Am I going to change my mind every two years and reinvent myself? And we kind of shame ourselves. At least I see that happening with, if that doesn't happen with you, good for you. Yeah. But (laughs) I see it happening a lot. That's like the internal conversations most of my friends are having when they're making changes. So how did you navigate that? And now being on the other side, how do you see each season being used as a stepping stone for where you are. Yeah. So I I think I didn't see like looking back on, like if I was moving into a new season, I didn't look back and say, man, that was a waste. I think what made me nervous was, is this really going to stick or am I going to change my mind? Is this worth putting energy into, or am I going to like hate this in two years? That was my fear is, is this sustainable basically? And, um, it like, going back to each stage. Yeah. Like I learned writing in high school. I like, I fell in love with writing in high school. I fell in love with, um, the book design or layout design. And even whenever I was running my wedding planning business, I made extra money on the side whenever it was growing by laying out magazines in town. I like, it's like, it, it gave me space to like create that. And then, like you said, the invitations, I created the the not only our journals, but my first book, um, we had somebody lined up to do the layout and it fell through at the last minute and I had to design the whole book. I never like would have even known where to start with that. Um, so even like just all of those pieces, seeing how I get to write books, I get to design products. Um, and I get to just share my heart, um, about all these things. Um, it, it really did all tie together and I'm, curious to see where I'll go next. You know, I feel like, um, I would love to be doing the journals and writing books until I die. (laughs) But, um, it's weird to, because everything has changed in different seasons. It's hard. I think I'm more okay with now seeing how each season was used. I think I'm more okay with the idea that it could change in the future. Does that make sense? I totally relate to that because I think first I fell into the kind of chunk of people who are like, did I just waste my time? Am I, you know, am I a moron? You know, kind of that negative self-talk. Then I shifted into the next season of, is this going to work out? Am I, you know, am I going to even like this? You know, what if I spend eight months building something and decide I don't like it? And then now I've kind of moved into a phase of trusting the process, but that has taken like 10 years of kind of getting comfortable with evolving. I like to think I'm a spontaneous person, but I think ultimately it can be really uncomfortable to change. And I think you know, especially this year, I lived through probably my biggest fear happening in my business, the, a change that like totally pulled the rug out from under me. And I think that taught me a lot of, oh, wow, I can survive a hard season and still have joy and evolve into even something better. So how have you navigated kind of the harder parts of running a business? I'm sure there have been hard seasons of mm-hmm. running your company. Yeah. 
I think just one of the the hardest, like specifically business seasons was um, maybe two or three years into everything. Um, we like whenever I started, I feel like there weren't a lot of boutique like products, like faith based journals or anything like that. So like we did pretty well right off the bat. Like it was, it was, um, it grew. I didn't have to do a ton for it to grow. And then I, we hit a season and I remember it was a March day. I think it was 2016. Maybe I think it was 2016. Um, where we didn't get a single sale. And I remember just thinking how much I had taken for granted that we just kept getting sales every day. And uh, after that point, we probably went through four or five months of just really slow, slow months. And we started getting a lot more competition and it wasn't like direct, like it wasn't like copycats or anything like that. It was just like girls can only buy so many journals, you know? Um, so we just started feeling, or I personally just started feeling like I was trying to fight for a piece of this pie that I felt like I used to kind of like have a like designated portion already. And now I'm having to like, just fight for like scraps. And that sounds dramatic, but, um, like I also use the analogy of just like having to like elbow my way through. And I, I had this, like, I, just such an overwhelm with competition that I had to like step back, pray a lot and realize that I needed to run my own race. And I know we like hear that stuff, but like, we don't realize how much we do based on what other people do sometimes. And just the fear of like, I need that. I need to like, I need to get more sales. I need to get my business back on track. Um, so we ended up cutting, like, I don't know how many products we ended up cutting, but we cut a bunch of products and then we started doing, we decided to do a yearly journal, which was linen, spiral bound foil. Like it was something that people weren't doing at the time. And I remember just feeling like reborn in this way of like, okay, like if I, if I keep my eyes focused on the Lord, um, for ideas instead of just feeling like I've got to do these token things to just kind of like stay in the, stay in the race. Like that. I don't want to like run a business like that. I don't, it's not, it doesn't feel good to run a business like that. But the second I just started thinking like, well, my sister shared a quote with me, um, about God's not going to judge us on, on what we did, but on what he asked us to do. So like, God's not sitting here going, Hey, Valerie, like this person did a $2 million business and you did not do a $2 million business. So this person did a better job than you. He's going to say, what did I ask you to do? I didn't ask you to do a $2 million business. I asked you to do this. So you don't need to be striving for what I'm not asking you to do. Um, and just realizing like the importance of obedience in that was so like, I can't even tell you the transformations it made. We, like I said, we cut a lot of products. We niched down to prayer specifically, um, like with our journals and we became known as like the person to go to for prayer. Like if you needed a prayer, you know, something like that. And it like, it, it didn't just change our business that way. It changed our mindset. Like, um, I read a book called blue ocean strategy and it was all about, um, just, not, not fighting the competition and just doing it so different that, that you're not fighting with it. 
And I just, everything we started doing was just like, we're not looking at everything else. And this is going to be a very silly example, but we don't use boomerang on Instagram. And it's not because we don't like boomerang, but our brand is like, we would say the words like structured, like it's mature. And we even say like serious. We we like things um, streamlined and fresh, but like you're not going to see like confetti. You're not going to see like colorful things. So boomerang, although I'm sure we could have like figured out how to make it fit our brand, it just it it felt like we were forcing it. So we didn't force it, and now it's like this symbol of like how we just don't do something just because it's available to us on Instagram. Does that sound so silly? No, it's amazing. <laughs> You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now, a message from a network supporter. Do you deal with stress and anxiety throughout your day? Do you find yourself on your phone constantly? Maybe that's the first thing you do when you wake up. Well, I've got something for you that's going to be an investment of your time that pays off way better than the scroll. I promise you that. Here's the deal. I'm going to challenge you, and me too, guys, to stop checking social media first thing and instead pop open the Abide app to ease your mind. It's the best way to start the day and something I've personally been implementing in my life. And for a limited time, our listeners will get 25% off a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash radiant. Abide's meditations start at just two minutes long. They're easy to fit into your schedule and feature topics like overcoming anxiety, managing stress, addiction, recovery, finding forgiveness, and more. Guys, anxiety has been a longtime friend of mine, and this year I'm committed to taking tangible steps towards freedom. If you're like me and you want to take tangible steps towards your freedom, get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash radiant. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash radiant. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash radiant to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. One thing I would love for you to talk more about is niching down. I mean, if you read any marketing, you know, guidelines or books or materials, it's going to tell you to niche down. But how, how did that come out of you? Because I know... For me and my own experience of sometimes you have that like season where you're wrestling, you kind of feel despair, you kind of feel like it's not going to work. And then it's almost like sometimes we have to go through that to pull out of us and massage out of Mm -hmm. us. Like, what do we really want? And for me, like, I feel like it's been one of those years, actually. And I feel like I'm six months into that process for this season. And it's starting to come out of me like, oh, I this is what I really want. And this is what I'd like to focus on. But sometimes you have to kind of wait it out. How long did it take between kind of that season of defeat of like, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned four to five months to realizing, oh, this is what I want. I want to be known for prayer. And then really, how did you get there? Like, how did you arrive at prayer is my niche? Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to someone trying to niche down? Like, I don't even know my niche, you know, kind of, I like to do all the things. I, yeah, I don't even know what I want my niche to be. Yeah, man, that's, um, that's, that's like the million dollar question, huh? Like, what do I need to, to focus on? But I think for, 
for us, we, we knew prayer was the focus. It was a matter of, do we add all these other things and become like a Walmart shop? And, and like what we love Walmart, like no hate on that. But like as a boutique store, like if we have 30 products and our customers don't know that like our main prayer journal is like, like if they're buying this other product that would help them like 10% in their walk or whatever, but like our main product can help them drastically and they miss that because they're having to wade through a thousand things. Like we, I think we just realized like we don't want them to miss the, the most important thing that we offer. And that's really easy to do. Like people who come to your shop, they don't know, like we all think that they know everything that we've known for the whole time we've been running a business, but like they come not knowing like what's like, I don't know what six month means. I don't know how this is different from this. And to be able to like make, to simplify it for them and to also like just respect them in that way. Because we, when we like cut a bunch of products, we emailed our customers and they literally were like, thank you so much. Like we, because we said in the email, we're like, we're not trying to overwhelm you. We don't want you to have to keep up with five different journals, you know? And so if we can simplify it and just tell you, get this one, um, then, then like, we know it's better for our customer. We might not sell as much uh, to that one person, but like, it's better for them. They're going to get a better experience. And then what we have seen is that we're selling more because they're sharing, it's making such an impact on their life that they're sharing it with other people. Um, but yeah, we got tons of emails of people just saying like, a businesses are normally just going to want to come out with more and more products to sell you, sell us. But we just like, I just appreciate that that's not what you're doing. And, you know, you tend to think like your customers want options and they want lots of choices and everything like that, but which is true, but we don't realize the power of limitations, like even for us personally, like on a creative limit, uh, on a creative aspect of it, like for us, we, when we decided to cut products, I remember thinking, how are we going to come up with like more different products for prayer? And, you know, like there's only so many things that you can do. And we've come out with one for like a Spanish uh, one. Most recently, we have them for men, for kids, different things like that, to where it limited us that like the limits just helped us um, make our core even stronger. Ooh, I love that. Because I think sometimes you're right when we when we niche down, it feels like, oh, but we're limiting ourselves. But actually, it helps create acceleration and expansion um, yes. and because it, it more clearly articulates how we can show up and serve our customers and our clients. And so I love that. And I'm, I am taking notes because I feel like this has been my year of niching down. Um, and, and to be fair to our listeners, like sometimes that's a process. You know, th- there was a time last year when it was recommended to me to niche down and I just felt like I couldn't. Like I didn't oh, know where yeah. to start. It wasn't time and the timing was off. And then this year, the timing felt crystal clear, apparent. It's time. And I'm glad I didn't rush the process last year because I was able to over time gather data of like, okay, this is how my clients feel served through me showing up for them. And I'm seeing the same kind of feedback over and over again. And these are the things that light me up. And I would have never known what 
lit me up if I didn't offer variety at first. And so it's okay if you're at a place where you're like, I can't niche down yet, but I think there will come a time. It, it certainly, there certainly came a time for me and it felt like just the right time. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense that, yeah, it, it's, it's not something to, it's not like you just need to go slash everything in your, your shop or your, your offerings or anything, but really just think about, I mean, the customer, I know we say that, but serving them well. Yeah, seriously. I, I'd love everything you said. I could just talk about that all day long. So I would love for you to kind of share more with us about your latest book. You just launched it this year. Um, Grumpy Mom Takes a Vacation. I love the title so much. I would love for you to share kind of your heart behind that message, what you're doing now, how that launch went, what the response has been from women, all the things. Yeah. Um, so I wrote this book as just kind of, um, I am a melancholy personality and just felt like the stereotypes and the memes and the things that we hear about so much in our culture about motherhood were so discouraging. Um, and what maybe wouldn't have brought down like a positive mom, it was just very, um, heavy for me. And I feel like the Lord just gave me such a, like, he just like kept a, I feel like he just kept this little flame in me still burning, even though like so much tried to like blow it out basically that just so that I could, I could be aware of, of what was causing my grumpiness and be able to share this message. Because I think like for a lot of people, like I said, like it's, it's kind of subtle. We don't realize how affecting, how much it affects us, but we can hear like a really funny meme about being a hot mess mom or just surviving motherhood or like never washing our hair, whatever. And then like when we're at home alone and we're standing in a messy kitchen or we're picking up crumbs for the third time that day, like it sinks in and is so discouraging. So that, that was the book that I wrote. I, it came out in April and it's been really fun to share that with moms. I feel like the overwhelming message has been, you know, I didn't even realize I was so grumpy, but I'm seeing so many things that I thought were normal that I don't have to live like this and um, that I do have power to like um, change my thoughts and that that will change our home life. And um, we, it, the launch was great. It was interesting because I really, really wanted a healthy launch. Like I've launched other products before, but I've talked to a lot of authors and, you know, just that feeling of like, I never want to write another book because launch was just so overwhelming. And so I really prayed for a healthy launch that it would be that I would not be like, you know, getting three hours of sleep the week before and that I'd be able to enjoy it. And I really, really did. Um, but an odd thing happened afterward. I feel like because you are chugging along for like two years on this one date, this one deadline, I experienced like super extreme like exhaustion or like physically tired like I could not I'd wake up at my normal time and like fall asleep while I was trying to read my bible or something and then just kind of sadness and you know when you're trying to promote a book about joy and motherhood you kind of feel like whoa why is this it just kind of feels like an attack um to kind of discredit you know what you're talking about but um I really just feel like there are certain things that are like I've talked to other authors since then who've been like that exact same thing happened to me I think there's just some things that are part of a process and 
you know, as much as I like feel like I worked so hard, I got so bummed to feel like I went through that, but I feel like it, I I don't want to say it served its purpose too, kind of like the other seasons we were talking about, but I do, I feel like it did. And I feel like I've come out like rejuvenated. And honestly, I feel like it almost gave me more compassion for the moms that I was trying to reach because I was able to like directly, um, like tap into what they could be feeling in that, in those moments, instead of just saying it from a, like, I've kind of got this figured out sort of way, which, you know, we're always gonna, we're still going to scream and yell, but hopefully experience, you know, shorter episodes of frustration, less intense and not as often. So totally. And I love, you know, I love your heart for really providing like encouraging content and helping that, um, helping shift those thought patterns versus leaning into kind of the negative thought patterns. I'm not a mom yet, but mm-hmm. those are the things that scare me. Like, am I, yeah. gonna, you know, um, and I'm, I, you know, we're moving into that season of kind of, you know, starting to kind of be like, when do we want to start a family? And it's like, man, you know, some of the, some of the stuff floating around out there is not, so encouraging. And so yeah. I'm sure you've had a wild response from some of these mamas who have gotten to read this book. Um, and I just love your like heart for vulnerability and transparency and sharing that and providing content like that equips and encourages them while being real. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that, like just from your perspective, because that was one of those things like there's lots of women who either don't want to have kids or they no, they feel like, oh, this is part of my next step, but I'm not looking forward to it. And I actually have a twin sister who doesn't have kids yet. And she, she's like, I want to read this book beforehand. And that's what I've said, like, read it before, because you won't have to retrain bad thoughts. You'll just start off like with a fresher perspective. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, I, I don't think we realize how damaging it can be for like the next generation of moms who like, they just hear us complain. They, they hear us say the funny jokes and the memes and the whatever, and they don't, they don't get to see the sweet moments and everything like that. So. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm naturally a glass half full optimist. Like, um, that's who I am. And so I even had someone whose whole brand is like negative motherhood. (laughs) Um, And tell me at an event, I'll be honest, I don't really like how you present. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. I don't really like how you present. You do not make it look fun. Look forward to this. And so um, just like realizing like, okay, there's also going to be voices that are just not my people. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, her whole brand is like, want want motherhood and I'm like man you're making this look like a blast and so um just really thankful for voices like yours as kind of we prepare to move into that season because you know a lot of my friends I'm kind of on the tail end of my friend group having kids and so I hear all of it the special moments the joyful moments and the hard moments um and I think there's a place for it all but I love Mm -hmm. kind of your approach and helping like re- um, retrain those mindsets. And so I, how did you arrive at the title? I want to hear more. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is, this is something I just realized. I love the show Frasier. Have you, I mean, I know that's like very far out. I, I, think yeah, I, was, like, I, haven't seen, I mean, I mean, it's, I grew up with it, but I haven't seen yeah. it. I love it. And, and he, so the title is grumpy mom takes a holiday, which I know holidays like the, 
English way to say it or whatever. But um, I honestly, the day I came up with the outline, that was the title that was in my head. And it was the whole idea is that we're taking a vacation or like it, the, the tagline was going to be, um, for, um, every mom needs an escape, not from motherhood, but from the world's definition of it. So it was basically like all of us moms are taking a holiday from like looking at motherhood, the way the world looks at motherhood. But I was watching Frazier the other day and he made a joke about hygiene, taking a holiday. And I was like, did I like, is that what made me think (laughs) the word holiday together instead of like vacation or something? But, um, but yeah, just, I mean, like, we don't need to escape our kids. We just need to escape looking at them the way the world looks at, at it. So I love that. I, I truly love that. I love your kind of wording of like, I, I have a little bit of melancholy with more joy than I thought possible. I just kind of love your approach to it. I think it's real. It's honest. And yeah, I can't wait to read it, especially before I have kids. So I seriously could talk to you all day long about this. I would love for you to share kind of what's next. What's next in the writing process? What's next with Balmarie Paper? Where can everyone find you? All the things. Yeah, so um, I am working on another proposal for a book on prayer. And um, honestly, The Grumpy Mom Takes a Holiday, we had we have a chapter in there on mother on marriage. And a lot of people have asked for grumpy wife takes a holiday in a book form. And, um, I, I like have resisted that in just in the last two or three months, I feel like our marriage has changed, um, for the better. And it's, it's just made me think about that. So that may be like way in the future, but, um, but currently working on the uh, book on prayer. And then honestly for our shop, I've kind of been learning how to, take it more like six months at a time instead of a year, because I have planned a full year out. And by the time, you know, September comes and there's a deadline, I have just regretted committing to or telling people I'm doing something that I have to stick with, you know? So we, we honestly don't have any huge plans besides continuing, continuing to scale our business in a way we just started working with a fulfillment company and, um, We've, we've heard like a lot of people, um, in like the similar growth spot that we're in, you can either get stuck there or you can go really far depending on if you're prepared for the growth. So we've kind of honestly just been focused on how do we scale our business to where if it grows or if something, you know, somebody shares something, Oprah, an Oprah moment, basically not that she does that anymore, but and everybody used to talk about that. Have you heard that phrase? The, like the an, Oprah moment? Yeah, like where you're basically, you're, your business is prepared for if Oprah shared your stuff. You know, like you're... Yes. You're, which sounds crazy. I mean, obviously, we're, we're not thinking Oprah's about to share our prayer journals or anything. But yeah, we're just preparing our business to continue to grow so that if it does grow, we don't have these like growing pains that, that stunt the growth of it. Um, and I honestly just feel fortunate that we have the space to think about that. Cause I know that's not every, you know, like we don't always have that luxury to do. So that's where we are. I love that. And I think that's something to consider for any type of small business owner. 
I think Oprah does share some still, right? I feel like I saw her with a book of someone I know recently and I was like, oh, wow, how cool for them. Um, You know, but, you know, maybe today's modern day equivalent would be like a Joanna Gaines moment, you know? Um, It got put in Magnolia. Oh, did it? Um, We've done her, we've done the spring of the silos and everything and she did buy some for one of her girls' birthday parties. But but I know she doesn't share like a ton of stuff like that. So, but we were like, the day of the party, we're just like, but what if she did... That is awesome. Yeah. Well, you never know, like the long-term effects of that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Especially her using it herself and giving it as a personal gift. So, man, it has been so fun to have you on. Thank you for joining me for a second time. And I yeah. love just hearing about your journey, the the twists, the turns, how everything's evolved and served as a stepping stone for the next season. I think this conversation will be a a real gift to our listeners, not to mention they need to go out and snag your book. And so thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. Betterhelp.com save. Got it. Whatever temperatures this winter brings, your friendly and knowledgeable Bryant dealer is ready to help. We have the right training and support and are backed by outstanding products from one of the industry's most trusted names, Bryant. Whether you need a quick fix or an entirely new heating system, we will do whatever it takes for your family's comfort. Find your local dealer at Bryant.com. Bryant, whatever it takes.